Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this is the Clone Wars Report. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is Ken Napsok with Clone Wars Music. <laughs> That's right. Dun, 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 dun. There we go. There's some news. <laughs> um, I had my stream up. I might as well take advantage of my stream deck 
sound drops. Uh, happen- yeah, that's like somewhere between like a news report music and maybe like a singles meetup music. It's it's don't you meet up over your news <laughs> all the time, all the time. All what, the time. <laughs> what do people love discussing more on first dates than the news, right? The news. Oh, God bless it. No, 18th edition of the Colonel's Report. And this is uh, this is an interesting one. This is one years in the making, Joseph. Yeah, yeah. So this is very exciting. We are going to discuss the Clone Wars theatrical release film. Uh, if you're just catching up with the Clone Wars report, we are discussing the entire series in chronological order, chronological to the actual events in the galaxy far, far away, not chronological to the release. Uh, we discussed the first two episodes that come chronologically that are leading uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin into this crisis on Christophsis and the setup of this film that was released in 2008. And there are over the years, many strong opinions about this film, uh, including my own, which changed massively from when I saw it in the theater to where we are today. Uh, how about you, Ken? What What is your kind of perception of this film? Do you think it's still controversial or is it just is it just a part? Is it just an extra long episode of the Clone Wars at this point? And people love the Clone Wars, so they love the movie. I think it is that and it's become that and it can and it can be that for you if you haven't revisited this movie in a while. I have, um, here's, here's my opening salvo here, so to speak. My cannons firing on the droids. I think George Lucas was asking a lot of fans in 2008, uh, and perhaps it's too much. We might discuss some of those details of the things were in it. Uh, but I, 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 in watching this now, Joseph, I consider this a Band-Aid being ripped off by George in retrospect. <laughs> oh, and this is going to hurt a little bit. But now with the series being such a powerful part of our lives as fans, uh, being an entry point for so many of the young fans, we talk about that often. Um, this movie is full of some big epic Star Wars moments, uh, playground moments, if you will. And it, whether we wanted to be this, whether we wanted this to happen or not, it pulled us into a new era. We might have been kicking and screaming, but George was like, I- I'm going to take you somewhere. And we're going to go into this and it's going to look a little different because I'm interested in that. I'm interested in the technology of this, how we can tell a story like this. And looking back at the movie now, because it's got some rough spots, not even story-wise or dialogue, just just the way it looked, right? Compared to like season seven of Clone Wars that we were constantly like, wow, how beautiful. <laughs> this is rougher. Um, so looking back now, without even worrying about the plot or details yet, it's just like George going, hey, this is how I'd like to tell my story or dive into a part of the story that I didn't get to tell and also really spend some time with it. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for this movie because before doing that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a great uh, summary of the kind of where it sits uh, culturally within star Wars fandom. And uh, I've talked about this before, so I'll keep it short, but I saw it in the theater in 2008 and I was so excited because I kind of thought, well, revenge of the Sith. He's really said, Hey, I did it. I, I completed my, uh, my masterpiece. Uh, I finished the star Wars saga. Uh, there are rumblings about live action show, which I was really interested in. And then this was coming out and I was like, well, well, interesting. And I think I had a lot of problems with it in the theater uh, because I didn't get where Lucas was going with it. I didn't see it as the beginning of something new. I saw it mostly as revisiting a lot of the stuff that we that I feel like, well, we just saw Anakin fall to the dark side. So why do I need scenes hinting about him falling to the dark side? And 
Ahsoka seems interesting, but uh, how is that going to match up? Does that make sense? And kind of why are we revisiting some of these things, in, including tone things that really bothered me then that I don't care about now or even enjoy? That there was, it felt like a step back to, you know, Phantom Menace really had lots of uh, kind of fun, silly humor. And then Attack of the Clones was a little bit more serious, but with a lot of uh, that massive 3PO uh, droid, uh, battle droid pratfall. And then Revenge of the Sith was pretty serious. So this took a step back to feel like it had a lot of sillier moments with the battle droids. And I didn't get Zero the Hutt's voice was Truman Capote. So it was just like, what the hell are you doing and why? And there's a baby Jabba and it stinks you like I didn't I didn't get what was happening uh and I'm so delighted and this is one of the great joys of of uh of having time pass and seeing things from a different point of view almost none of that stuff bothers me because I was seeing it you know your your perspective determines your reality I was seeing it as is this what the continuation of Star Wars is? Why are we just revisiting stuff we've already seen? I was seeing it kind of as just an addition rather than the beginning of something truly new, which is now that I have that hindsight of where the Clone Wars uh, animated series story is going to go and how deeply and wonderfully it's going to flesh out all of these elements of Star Wars. Now I really enjoy it from that perspective. Yeah, can I... Can I uh... Can I kick this back to you a little bit here? Take it. We we have talked about it, I know, but <clears throat> this is perfect to talk talk about for this episode, especially maybe to a listener who's relatively new to our, our journey here as fans. To you in the theater, I, I know we've talked about the music. Uh, it immediately kind of not rubs you to wrong, but just like wow, this is different. The look, just the especially the opening because it's a pretty cool opening battle. But in the theater in two thousand eight, August two thousand eight. What was Joseph thinking, looking at the style, looking at the dialogue, looking at the dire straits, money for nothing dialogue going on between, <laughs> which is another deep cut, oldie, old reference. Um, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, I, it, take me back to that moment of you just going, what am I watching? Yeah, I, I don't think I disliked it. Like the music threw me because it sounded, again, the music is a perfect way to illustrate what I was feeling of now I know that music is, that's the Clone Wars music. And it's got more drums and it has a darker tone because it's this kind of ominous, confusing time for the Jedi and for our heroes where they think they're doing something valiant and heroic, but they're not. And now I love it because I understand it. But at the time, it just sounded like, could George Lucas somehow not get the rights to his own music? <laughs> and that, just starting off from that of like, why is it almost Star Wars, but not yet also just to answer your question directly, it felt like I've, I'm enjoying seeing more of this battle. I'm enjoying seeing Obi-Wan and Anakin banter and hints at Obi-Wan not being able to let go and issues of attachment. That's all enjoyable, but why? Because I just saw the end of this story. Why do I need to see more foreshadowing for a story that I just saw in Revenge of the Sith? So I was just kind of confused by it. So I couldn't enjoy it just for what it was. And that's one of the main things that I enjoy sitting down to watch it now is remembering how Lucas planned to show more of the Clone Wars and Revenge of the Sith was supposed to start with, you know, seven battles on seven worlds and just have some of that serial adventure, uh, you know, pulpy mm -hmm. fun. And now when I watch it, I just feel great for George Lucas and for people who are approaching the movie that way of just like, look at this cool action scene because that's a part of the value of Star Wars. But I didn't. Yeah. I couldn't enjoy it then. Couldn't enjoy it then. No, that's fair. Because again, uh, to those who don't know, I did not see it in the theater. I don't even quite 
I don't quite remember when I saw it. I may have started watching some of the episodes before I was like, all right, let me, let me watch this. Cause it was also a different time for me personally as a fan where I was a big fan of star Wars, but I, I just didn't feel I had to watch everything or read everything. Cause I didn't have a show to discuss it on <laughs> or, you know, just uh, with star Wars was this thing that all right, 2005, it kind of wrapped up again, you know? Uh, and it was really odd to be immediately here. What they're doing a animated movie. What? I don't know about that. What is we doing droids or Ewoks here? Uh, you know, Caravan of Courage. I remember how that went. <laughs> and so I just didn't, I didn't go in a car and rant on it, uh, rant about it on an early YouTube video, but I just didn't watch it right away and didn't yeah. see it either. So it's an, you have an interesting experience that I love to hear about there. So thank you. Yeah. And I'm so glad it changed, uh, you know, and it, 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 I didn't even, I didn't have cable at the time. So I was like, always like, ah, I really wasn't sure about that movie, but I'll catch up with the Clone Wars eventually. And, you know, it led to this, you know, really great time in my life where Clone Wars was on Netflix and I got to binge it all and just fell absolutely in love. And then I was like, oh, I get the movie now, which we will we'll discuss now. The actual uh, movie kind of is just uh, a long, long episode of the Clone Wars. Uh, we try to start our discussions by discussing the moral of the episode. This the film doesn't have a moral like the individual episodes of the uh, series will, but it does have something interesting in around the same place that I want to discuss is the movie starts with these clips of clones yelling in distress. Yeah. Ken, is that the moral of the movie clones <laughs> yelling in the darkness? Uh, it might, it, it might end up being, and by the way, I love that beginning. It's reminiscent of uh, that rogue one teaser trailer at star Wars celebration 2015. That was haunting and dark and, and moody. And, 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 you know, you and I don't always, want our star wars to be completely dark and moody but we do enjoy a pinch of it like a seasoning in a soup and i love that beginning uh it, it is kind of movie wise so yeah i think there's a little bit to uh <laughs> the pain of war yeah <laughs> it could be it yeah to me it just it holds this tension that you can't escape from in star wars that it's called star wars that george lucas was inspired by the you know saturday afternoon serials that he saw and he wants to share all this action because it's cool and fun and exciting to watch and it is but the moral of almost all of the storytelling is the war should really be avoided at all costs and just that that little clip of those voices has that tension of it sounds exciting and you want to hear all of like what's happening to those clones? What battle are they at? What weird planet are they on? But also you feel that terror of it's awful that people have to go through this mm -hmm. all yeah. in one place, you know? So, uh, so I think it's a great little audio moral. Um, we're going to go into overall reaction, uh, but in case people are not uh, watching all of these episodes before they listen, just a, a very short summary. This is uh, ultimately what, what hangs the movie together is this is the story of a plot by uh, Darth Sidious and Darth Tyrannus, Count Dooku, to get the Jedi to go to a war with the Huts and stretch them even uh, even further and probably break the Jedi resolve uh, quicker and destroy them uh, just with a great expediency. So they have a, a convoluted plot of kidnapping Jabba's son, Radha, blaming it on the Jedi. Uh, we get introduced to this plot uh, through the adventure that Anakin and Obi-Wan are having on the planet Christophsis, trying to uh, defend those people at the at the request of the people of Christophsis uh, from huge separatist attack. We get introduced to Ahsoka, who is uh, becomes Anakin's Padawan. It seems like that is the idea of both Obi-Wan and Yoda, which we will talk about. And then basically, adventure ensues 
Padme gets involved uh, out of uh, fear of Anakin, helps sort everything out. The people behind uh, the, the plan are foiled. Zero the Hut is exposed as being in league with Count Dooku. Uh, Zero is arrested, and Dooku Insidious's plot to get the Jedi to fall into war with the Huts is foiled. Uh, but they're both like, eh, it would have been nice, but <laughs> we got a lot of other plans. <laughs> yeah. So that's basic overview, I think, of what's uh, what's going on with the plot. Um, well done because I, I I've rewatched this a few times over the years, but this past week I started it and I, my my life got a little busy, so I watched it in chunks. And like, yeah, no, yeah, you're right. You put it all together like a great string of Christmas lights. It's all <laughs> excellent. Yeah, because it's it's not necessarily told in order, and you can get hung up on you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, but a lot of it is just uh, them going to Teth to do this, and then the spice freighter, which is great. Anyway, what was your overall reaction? Now we talked about a lot of the baggage with it and the history of the film, but sitting down to rewatch it for this podcast, did you like it? Did you love it? Did you struggle with it? How do you feel? No, I, I, I got to tell you that I've been saying it here, said it a little bit, the discord server to those we're having this conversation in our clone wars chat channel of doing this chronological rewatch, something I have never done. I've, I've never, quite frankly, as I said last week, didn't care. It's just like, I don't have time for that. Um, <laughs> you and I've decided to do this and I'm already just feeling as though I'm, I'm personally reaping the benefits. I was excited to press play excited to um, actually probably tech, technically press restart on Disney plus and, and go into it again. I do own a DVD copy of it, by the way, um, <laughs> and got pulled into the fun of it, the action, almost to the point where I was almost like a little kid, just like, yeah, man, like I do. Cause I'll, I would always tell people when people, I, what, what do you rank clone wars? All right. I'll put that as the last, my lowest ranked theatrical release Star Wars movie, but it's got some cool stuff. It just breaks down for me in the end. So now I'm focused on the end and it doesn't break down for me. We'll talk about zero the hut a little bit later, but the plot, the story and what it means, the Jedi feeling as though they have to get involved um, with the huts or, you know, the wars already pulling them into places they're uncomfortable with, you know, right or wrong, which is also a big question. I, I, I was I was into it. And and again, with the benefit of now seven seasons of this wonderful story, it now just feels a big part of that. As a movie, I can say the third act is good, but ends smaller, which gives you the like we talk about with Solo, where you're like, well, the Death Star didn't blow up. So maybe this as a movie, does, you know, didn't pull me in as much as it, <laughs> it should. Right. You know, you just kind of so it does end small. The hero shot at the end is great, but to me is slightly not forced, but they're like, "Hey, we got to end this movie. Put put in put in the end theme music." <laughs> and <laughs> pretty cool shot, but you know what I mean um, compared to other movies. So that's my overall thought. Um, I didn't have it's not a it's not the problems disappeared, or I don't have some questions. It's just now I'm just like taking it for what it is a big epic part of this story folding out in front of me, unfolding out in front of me. I think that's a really well said. I definitely have a couple of, of criticisms uh, uh, or things that I'm not sure about, uh, sim- very similar to yours, and, and we'll talk about on the in the second half of the episode. But overall, I do just really love it, and part of it is because uh, when I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the beginning of uh, Zero's arc, and I know all the other things that are kind of come into that. Oh, that's how we meet uh, Twilight the Spice Freighter, you know. And, yeah. and biggest of all, of course, of this is the beginning of Ahsoka and Anakin's journey together and the why of that and Obi-Wan and Yoda's and even Mace's attitude to the war and on and on. I, I get so excited because it is the beginning 
of this story, but also just on a really straightforward level, uh, there is a ton of cool action, a ton of cool lightsaber moves that are really, that's really, really fun to watch. Uh, it does do really good work taking its time to establish all of the main players and uh, some of their strengths and kind of blind spots between Obi-Wan and uh, Anakin and uh, Soka and Rex and Dooku and Asajj and even Yoda and, you know, the, the clones themselves. Uh, we spend a ton of time with the the kind of main players of uh, Padme in, in particular, too, uh, and really establish what's at stake for those characters. And then I also feel like the whole thing put together is an honest expression of the variety of tones that Lucas and Filoni and the whole team were clearly interested in because you get lots of big action. You get some moments of true darkness. A lot of that just kind of horrible clone slaughter that happens <laughs> throughout the Clone Wars. You get those moments of, you know, honest darkness from Anakin of really wrestling with horrible things. You get uh, some of the, some I think some like great wry intelligent comedy and some just big fun silly comedy and you get some political intrigue from Padme so I feel like I ate a little Clone Wars buffet <laughs> when I watch this movie of like the all of these elements yeah if you just sit down and watch it as a movie maybe you could go like does it does all do all of these moods and tones gel together and the answer is kind of like well in some ways it doesn't matter because it's an honest expression from the creators of these are all the ingredients we intend to include in this whole, you know, animated series journey you're going to go on. Yeah. I love the way you're, I mean, I love buffet. So I love what you're saying because <laughs> it, it is true. Cause any other time, this is the thesis thesis statement in a way, which is again, kind of what George, you know, I don't know the exact details of the story, but he basically was like, great. These four are a movie. What we're doing a movie. Yeah. We're doing a movie. You know, I'm kind of summarizing the, the urban legend of how that came about, came about, but this is kind of what you're saying. It's George going, here's what to expect. So anytime later on in the series that I might've been like, well, this is silly. I can go back to this and go, well, they told me. You know, <laughs> yeah. They told you like in it. a way that Mieber yeah. Gascon was coming, right? Thank you. I was thinking of it, but, but, and again, I don't have to love Mieber Gascon. I probably love him more than I used to, but, you know, it, they're not, they were never lying to us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and it's one of the things that I've come to really, really appreciate about Clone Wars when I, when I watch it all on Netflix of just seeing how much it was a playground for uh, Lucas and Filoni and all the other creators. But, but I think of Lucas because this is his opportunity to be like, well, I'm just, I'm paying for this. And then it goes on television and it's not under the same scrutiny that the movies are. I'm just going to do everything I was ever interested in in Star Wars. Uh, you know, I think he saw it as a thing, an idea that could contain lots of different styles and lots of different ideas that he gravitated toward. And he's like, here, I'm putting them all in because I can. And the movies just really reinforces that. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about big themes. What ideas did you think are at stake in this Clone Wars film? The one that kept going back to me, um, you know, I, there's a lot, there's a lot going on. I think there's a lot to dig into. And there's the, the Ahsoka Anakin one is very important. It's been discussed. We'll discuss it here again, uh, the importance, but I kept this idea of going home for Anakin. Mm. And uh, as they say in gross point blank, you can't go home again, but you can shop there. Uh, he has to, address pain. There's a little bit of letting go of the memories, trauma, dealing with trauma. There's that kind of stuff that pops in there. I loved his line 
where he just kind of shoots back to Ahsoka. The desert is merciless. It takes everything from you. Yeah. And the fact that it's there, and none of his feelings are wrong, right? We can always go back to that Anakin Padme scene of her just going like, yeah, to be angry is to human, is to be human, and what, what it's what you do do with it. For, for do- Dooku to be like, oh, that's right. You lived here. Oh, <laughs> look what I'm sensing from you. And then immediately, you know, this dark sand comes up from Anakin and, and he, and he throws it in Dooku's face. I, I, there's a lot that's to me, it just it keeps coming. Cause there's the cool stuff in the, in the, in the middle or in the beginning, there's action. Uh, there's the comp, nothing is easy when Anakin is around and Anakin has a great statement of uh, a strong attack eliminates the need for defense. That's a Jedi. <laughs> you imagine Qui-Gon's rolling in his force grave going, but what? Yeah. Mm. Uh, so there's a lot of those moments, but to me, it all f- f- kind of flows into this bucket of uh, Anakin's always got that past there, and it's always going to haunt him. And can he let go? And that's part of well, now Ahsoka's here, and he can he learn that lesson? Oh yeah, I I think that's great. I think you're uh, picking up on a thing that really resonated with me. Is it feels like there is this large theme of proving yourself. It, it becomes really explicit with Ahsoka, and it's it's very understandable. She's clearly talented. Uh, Yoda thinks highly of her, obviously, in order to think that she is ready to become a Padawan and to become a Padawan uh, to the this important uh, Jedi of Anakin. And in a time of war, there's a lot that, you know, she, she's clearly already very uh, uh, intelligent and very, you know, combat ready. Uh, but there's that great tender scene where she where Anakin is saying, like, we'll take a rest. It's been a long day. And he's like, no, I'm, I need to prove that, you know, I'm old enough to be a Padawan. And it's kind of reinforced with uh, Rex saying that in his book, experience outranks everything. And she's very eager to get uh, her experience. But it's it, it's all in this effort to be like I, she's trying to prove she can be a Padawan and she become a Jedi. She pushes back when people uh, don't think she's a Jedi. Right. Um Mm-hmm. But then that marries up with everything that you were saying about Anakin, because Anakin, only in the timeline, only very recently became a Jedi Knight uh, mm-hmm. himself. Yeah. And it, there's a lot going on with why uh, why he's been given a Padawan, and we will definitely discuss that. Um, but I feel like a lot of what he's going through on, Ta- on Tatooine, and even just with uh, having Ahsoka at his side, is proving to himself that he can not just be an independent Jedi who is no longer a Padawan, but that he can be a very good Jedi Knight because he has to be, because he's responsible for somebody else. And can he be a teacher? And I feel like that's, it's not just that he's wrestling with his past when he has to go back to Tatooine, but he has been wrestling this entire arc of keeping Ahsoka alive and having the mirror held up to him about seeing how concerning it is, uh, to have someone young and reckless at your side and feel responsible for them and feel like you are trying to uh, give them an example of how to be a good Jedi, which means he just immediately has to be uh, balance his own reckless nature, balance his own idea that uh, it's always better to attack than an attack is a, a better defense with I'm demonstrating that behavior for someone else who also seems to lean toward being reckless and how can I help her? Can I can I prove to myself that I can be a good Jedi for her and I can be a good teacher for her? And then even even in a subtle way, there's a lot of dialogue back and forth with uh, Ventress proving herself to Dooku. We don't like dig into any sort of meaty. What does that mean? The relationship, you know, there's an implication that if she fails him, she's going to be 
tortured and it's not going to go great for her. But there's still an element there with that that makes a lot of the moments of the movie. Yeah, and we get a lot of uh, just better stuff with with uh, Avengers later when Katie Lucas gets a hold of that character. Uh, you also listen to the Happy Beeps episode from Jennifer Landa about that. Uh, it's really great. Yeah, no, I, I love uh, the idea. I know sometimes in my life uh, I find that I learn, I learn even more when I teach it. <laughs> if that makes sense, because it just really focuses you to go, oh, oh yeah, what am I doing wrong? Oh, what am I doing? And how do I make that work? And I think that's important for Anakin because you're right. He's so young. It's against, I got, I got to imagine this is not par for the course, right? Like a freshly newly minted Jedi, you're right out of it. There's a war going on and now you get a, you get a Padawan learner. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that is normal, but um, you know, it, it, to me, it was, I, it always stood out to me as, as being a, a special thing for him that they knew. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it isn't a normal thing, and I think we get to see it push Anakin and, and all the great stuff that you were describing from later on in the film of Anakin being really haunted by Tatooine. I think it's because he's got Ahsoka there pushing him to be better and to stay on mission, kind of without her even realizing she's doing that for him yet. It helps him get past some of those ghosts and not entirely be hung up on them in a way I think he might have been if he were alone, if he didn't already have this brand new bond with Ahsoka forming. Mm, yeah, it's that idea of sometimes, you know, uh, as someone who battles with depression, uh, hell, a lot of us do, right? Um, uh, it's like go volunteer at a pet shelter because you get outside yourself and you're not focused on your own issues. Not that a, not that Ahsoka's a pet shelter uh, dog here. Uh, <laughs> that's not what I mean. Oh gosh, as I say it out loud, that sounds bad. But yeah, for Anakin to just to be focused on someone else that's not him and maybe he can learn. Hopefully, that's the thought. Yeah, yeah. And and, and that's a perfect uh, representation of this other theme that I thought was going on is that a ton of the characters are wrestling with how much to stay on mission versus how much to be distracted by the personal. Um, we get some really explicit mission stuff uh, back and forth between Rex. We get that great, really sad moment from Anakin where he's promised to go back and help Rex. And we, the audience, know Rex is going to be okay because Obi-Wan is arriving, but Anakin's like really devastated. And Rex is like, it's okay, sir. The mission comes first. Um, and Anakin is, is fighting about really wanting to do this mission right anyway because he has an understandable uh, resentment against Huts having been owned by Gardu the Gardula the Hutt, I'm sure, you know, not only does he know Jabba from the old pod races and all that, uh, but, you know, he, he was owned by a Hutt. He, he's got some issues. And Ahsoka yeah. keeps reminding him to stay on mission to say, like, you, you that's great, but you can't go back uh, for Rex. And uh, we got to get right to Tatooine. He's sick. We got to take care of this guy. And that once he gets to Tatooine and he's haunted. Mm -hmm. he's focused on 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 finishing that mission because Ahsoka has re reminded him again and again of why they're there. Uh, and, and we get that a little bit with Padme too, which is such a great picture of the early part of their secret romance where uh, Padme does a bunch of awesome stuff at the end, but all of it gets kicked off by Palpatine Sidious telling her that Anakin is in danger. And if you really mm -hmm. look at it, you have that moment of like, well, Padme might have intervened if it were just uh, if it were, that was Plo Koon, but she's like, oh, Anakin, uh, I got to get involved in this. <laughs> uh, so yeah. there's some real pushing and pulling of the, you know, the mission versus the uh, the personal there. We even get a tiny bit of that with uh, Asajj where, you know, Dooku mm -hmm. says, hey, finish your actual mission and then uh, and then you can 
get your revenge on the Jedi. But first you have to finish what you're actually doing. Uh, so I really like that that push-pull between the, the personal versus staying on the mission, all of the emotional realities of that, and that great introduction to Ahsoka where she is uh, reckless like Anakin and adventurous like Anakin, but also she has this real core that stays there with the character her entire journey going all the way through to Rafa and Trace of like, but why am I, why are we doing this? This is the mission. This is our mandate. We should do it. Yeah. Yeah. What, what there's, I, I wish I had written it. There is a kind of a line where it's just like, Oh, that's right. Anakin, you have some history with the huts, right? <laughs> just, <laughs> I wish there was like a super cut flashback. Just, uh, even yeah. We haven't seen life, yeah. Yeah. You could say that. I got some history. Yeah. A little, um, a little bit. So how do you feel like these, uh, specific themes to this, uh, story, reflect larger themes or storytelling or morality in the rest of star Wars. Uh, it, 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 it forces these uh, characters to constantly ask themselves uh, why, why they're doing it. And that balance, everything you're just describing is, is our four center word of the month, juicy man of just, uh, especially even down to massage. You don't think much of the dark side of them on the dark side going, yeah, 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 yeah. tap into the revenge later. We got some check checklist uh, things to get off there. Um, and, and, uh, the, but that, that carries on through the clone wars, right? Why are they fighting? Uh, how do they fight? What are the reasons? And then even going back, back to the beginning, I just, I love good old Mace and, and voiced by Sam Jackson this time around, of course, just kind of going, Hmm, I don't like they were doing this. Why are we working with the huts? I sent something else. <laughs> He's always right. <laughs> There's nothing you could do it, and so it's like then then even as a as on a general level going forward, it is a personal versus the mission for even the order itself and and, and the republic itself, and that starts uh, causing some problems. Yeah, yeah, and I I love this that this is immediately exactly what you're saying. One of the things that I wrote down is uh, Jedi compromise. That's a big theme of the prequels and goes on through to the sequels when, when Luke and, and, and eventually Ray are really wrestling with how to be a Jedi and going from this idea, like we talked about in those uh, first two episodes that the Jedi are really coming at this from, Hey, look, th things like this are happening. The people of Christophsis are asking us for help. They need supplies and defense. So, Hey, that's totally our mandate. And Dooku is a Sith Lord, so we'll we'll do those things. Those are absolutely the things that Jedi uh, should be doing, right? Oh, in order to get troops anywhere to do any of those noble things, we need those hyperspace lanes. So I guess we got to deal with the huts. We've kind of avoided dealing with the huts because we don't want to start a war with them, even though they do things like slavery that we're not happy about. My yeah. headcanon is they don't want to start a war. Yeah, And now they're like, okay, not only do we have to not deal with the things we don't like that the huts are doing, we kind of have to get in bed with them. Is yeah. yeah, that's such a great picture, and and one of my ongoing loves of Clone Wars is these big ideas are kind of sometimes just shouted at you <laughs> by the announcer Tom Kane in the beginning, but then when you carry that them through the motivations of why all that cool action and and uh, whip snap dialogue is actually happening, it colors it all in such an interesting way. Yeah, well, how, yeah. Well, I almost want to bring it up here, just uh, Tom Kate. It's 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 because it's essentially a verbal opening crawl because it's a pretty long introduction in terms of other Clone Wars episodes, which is the a call the Jedi are little apprehensive in answering. It's just <laughs> funny. I love it. Dealing with criminals, not great, but what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I love that. I think the big thing for me is this 
the the themes and ideas in the Clone Wars movie deal with attachment in a really interesting way. There's a lot of people who are uh, wrestling with uh, attachment in, in kind of traditional ways. The fact that it, this is a story about uh, the entire fate of the galaxy uh, revolving around Jabba's attachment to his child is, is a big uh, idea of attachment. Uh, Padme wanting to get involved at least partially because she is worried about Anakin is an attachment. And, you know, interesting to me because sometimes people talk about like, well, if their marriage got found out, yeah, Anakin would be in trouble because it's against the, the Jedi code. But why does Padme say that the queen might not let her be senator? Well, maybe because of mm-hmm. things like this, because like I made an entirely different decision about how to throw my political weight around because that's my husband. Uh, it's mm-hmm. definitely an interesting story of attachment, but the really big one, and I think uh, in some ways the most exciting part of this movie and, and how it attaches to the larger story is learning that Obi-Wan and Yoda specifically want Anakin to have a Padawan not only to learn and grow and be a teacher in all the ways that uh, we talked about, but to develop that close attachment to someone else in a traditional Jedi way and then learn to let go. Uh, how did that hit you? Did you did you kind of hear that in a new way or absorb that in a new way this watch through? Uh, and I wouldn't actually wouldn't say uh, too much in a new way because it's it's pretty clear throughout the series, right? But what, here's what I loved about it more than anything because. It's a it's a fun little cheeky play, right? You know, uh, they think it's uh, they think Ahsoka's there for Obi Wan or whatever, and how much Obi Wan knows or not, I don't know. But um, I I really almost it's sad, it's tragic, knowing even we we didn't need the whole Clone Wars series to tell tell us where it was going, but just it felt like a real genuine effort from Yoda to be like, he really needs to learn this. This is a problem. And for Yoda, maybe it's a better way of dealing with Anakin than he had in the past. We don't know much um, on, on, on a micro level of what Yoda and Anakin's relationship was in those 10 years between Phantom Menace and Attack of Clones. They have some good moments in films, right? Some uh, good meditations. There's a connection there, but it just, to me, I, I take the read. I take Tom Kane doing the voice of, of just kind of like, yeah, this needs to happen. This is important. And and hopefully he can find it on his own because I can't tell him anymore and we can't tell him anymore. This is the only way that headstrong kid's going to learn this. And he needs to, and we need him to learn it. So I, I, I took it as that a little more heartfelt this time. Yeah, yeah. Heartfelt is a great way to say it. Like uh, when I saw the film in 2008, like I understood what was happening, but I appreciate it so much more in a larger context. Uh, in particular, and some of this is just headcanon for me, but I, my headcanon uh, emotional response is Yoda is definitely, you know, leading the charge on this. I really, Obi-Wan says a lot of things about, hey, I requested a teacher and hey, Anakin, or a, a Padawan, and hey, Anakin, teaching is a great responsibility and, and it's your responsibility for the next generation. Maybe you should do this. But then once everything gets sorted out, Anakin's like, I, I think you had something to do with this, Obi-Wan. So I kind of take it as, yeah, he did. Um, so my headcanon being that Obi-Wan and Yoda are both aware, not that Anakin slaughtered the Tusken Raiders, but Yoda's, we know Yoda's aware that something awful happened because he senses it in Attack of the Clones. I have yeah. to imagine that Obi-Wan follows up with like, hey, you went to Tatooine. You've been having dreams about your mother. How'd all that work out? I think they know that he lost his mom, you know? Yeah. 
And that this yeah. seems like a response to it of like Yoda's like he lost his mother. Uh, he he was already old, older than normal when he came to us. He was attached to her. He's in a lot of pain. I got to take care of this kid in the best way to take care of him and to respond to that is to help him go through this healthy process of becoming close to someone in a healthy, natural letting go. So it, I love it from the perspective of Yoda and Obi-Wan, like you're saying, trying to be caring towards Anakin and trying to do that great teaching by letting someone else discover the lessons themselves and saying, we got to help you, uh, kid, yeah. Anakin, and this is the way we're going to do it is really beautiful to me. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's heartfelt, like we we said, but just um, yeah, I don't know. I I I it it, it resonated with me more this time around watching it, uh, and just uh, knowing the history, but knowing what's to come. Um, and uh, good point to you. It's like a, 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 you know, is Anakin the type that would sit down and be like, "Oh, we want kind of talk about some stuff." <laughs> he doesn't seem like he works through his feelings too well, so this is a way to do it. So. Yeah, yeah, and you know Obi Wan probably has to work hard to pull some stuff out of him, and uh, he makes it very clear to Ahsoka he doesn't like talking about his past. Uh, the other way that it resonates with me now, seeing the entire arc of Ahsoka and Anakin's relationship, is you know sometimes in the prequel, just films, it can seem like the Jedi are not being proactive enough about Anakin and the Chosen One and the prophecy, and it, it makes the entire Clone Wars animated series like an effort to try to do something, and it becomes this arc of if Anakin can learn from Ahsoka and by being a mentor to Ahsoka and letting go of Ahsoka, maybe he can go in the right direction and you get to see that entire arc and it makes those last, there's a ton of stuff in this movie that is like, you know, direct, you know, uh, Star Wars poetry with the final uh, episodes of Clone Wars. But this specific Ahsoka arc of maybe Ahsoka can make a difference in Anakin's fate is going all the way through this arc towards all those, you know, tragic uh, missed phone calls of what if Ahsoka mm. could have talked to him during the events yeah. of Revenge of the Sith? Would it have worked? Would have she, with this plan that Yoda is setting in motion in this movie, would it have gotten through to Anakin? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Unfortunately, you know, Ahsoka goes on her own big journey and and comes out stronger and maybe even better than than Anakin in some ways for it. Um, but uh, it all starts here. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we got to see it. Yeah. Yeah. And it just kind of frames it as uh, uh, Ahsoka's arc in, in many ways to me, even though there are many different adventures within the Clone Wars and uh, mm -hmm. many more adventures to come in this episode of the podcast. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to talk about some of the details, action moments, comedy moments, lore moments, all sorts of stuff like that. Stick around. We will be back for more Clone Wars report. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com/acast and use code acast for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com/acast code acast. Hey, Four Center fans! Don't forget, Four Center is on YouTube. Head over there to catch up with our new show, Star Wars Show and Tell. Joseph, Jennifer, Ken, and special guests sit down and share favorite items from their own Star Wars memorabilia collections. Plus, there's the In Memoriam video series, encore presentations of Databank Brawl, and special programming all there for you. And more shows on the way. It's Four Center on YouTube. Check it out. Hey, Four Center friends! Make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or ten unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. And we are back to finish our discussion of the Clone Wars theatrical release. Ken, let's just dive right in. Did you have a big favorite action moment in this action-packed uh, Clone Wars 
epic. Yeah, I did. I did. I did. Uh, and, and, and some of them are proud to report like, hey, I remember this. I remember liking this the very first time. But now I, I think I even like it more. Uh, the opening battle is, is pretty good. But that assault on Tet, I it it's so great to me. I just love it. it I love the AT uh, uh, TEs climbing. And I remember that's the first time I remember this guy, Dave Filoni. And I remember seeing a clip about the time the movie was coming out. I don't know. It might have been on Entertainment Tonight on TV, you know, pre-YouTube <laughs> being what it is now. And it was like, oh, wait, well, the way they're doing a Star Wars thing. And, and I remember Dave Filoni sitting in front of some monitors. I don't know. Someone might be able to pull up the clip and, and clarify uh, my, my memories a little bit here. And he was showing them climb up. And I remember thinking, well, that's that's interesting. I kind of like that. And this sequence now that I think if it was – with a little bit of, a, if it looked a little uh, better, and it looks good, but I don't want to mean keep slagging off the animation from back then, but if it's a little more crisper and clear, or if they had pulled this off in a live action movie of Ahsoka on the, on the you know, the front of the uh, the walker blast, uh, you know, uh, deflecting laser bolts and some of the camera moves that they use, it's very cinematic, it's very big, and I think it's an underrated Star Wars action moment. I So I, I do love the assault on the, on the Temple on Tath. Yeah, the assault on Teth is great. I love it when the ATTE is almost going to fall off and then wham gets back on the cliff. Uh, I'm yeah. going to keep monitoring every episode uh, and see, see how often the Jedi kick droids off of the uh, single troop aerial platform. Yeah. Uh, there was, yeah, there was one. I don't, it's not. It's not the sequence. I think it was even the one where uh, Ventress throws throws a droid off but he he falls and goes why <laughs> yes that is absolutely one of my favorite comedy moments <laughs> um no, the, and the, the solo death and the, when the one walker does get shot off it's it's kind of harrowing and 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 uh crazy and it and, and just the violence of this thing falling off uh, even the the kind of the vietnam vibes of red light uh green light and and they're welcome to paradise and they're landing it, it's in terms of star wars action um, the actual war of it all, it's, uh, it's cool stuff. Playground fodder for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and clones really, really dying and it's, it's brutal. Um, for myself, I, a couple of favorite action moments. I l- really love this duel between Obi-Wan and Ventress. Uh, I think there is a bunch of cool moves. I like both of these characters. I like, uh, her, uh, throwing the dress, <laughs> uh, the shawl at, at Obi-Wan, but in particular, Obi-Wan really plays on her frustration he says right at the beginning of the battle like i sense your frustration and we know that she is uh wants revenge and is eager to prove herself mm-hmm. it's it's very subtle in some ways but it's a great character moment that asajj clearly is super powerful and and keeps obi-wan on his toes but you get the sense that obi-wan is always winning the battle because it's not just about lightsaber and force skills it's about emotional control and obi-wan understands the situation and understands her frustration entirely so he can stay ahead of her. And I just, I really like the actual action and then the emotional, uh, whys of it underneath that are, that are nice and clear. Um, yeah. 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 I, I, yeah. Sorry. I noted that too. Just, uh, uh not as, uh, and, and uh, the themes are all there, but I just also noted, uh, adventurous Obi-Wan dueling and flirting some more. <laughs> we were talking about last episode. Um, it's the sitcom romance we never got to see. Uh, and, uh, I know she, uh, ends up falling in love with Quinlan Voss. I understand that. I read that wonderful book. Uh, and also, uh, for me to jump in a little bit too, um, Please. Uh, the, the Dooku and Anakin duel, mm. uh, just, uh, is, is really interesting to see them have this rematch, to see Dooku uh, outsmarted for a second or ahead of the game, but also the, all the stuff at play, but just 
the the look of it. It's, you know, great shots, great designs, and Anakin on Tatooine with a lightsaber fight as uh, some emotional attachment for me. Um, just seeing him there fighting on home. Uh, and, and then the themes of home and Dooku just with like the middle of this fight, like, oh, oh, that's right. You went to school here, didn't you? Yes. Like <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah. There's a lot going on, really, just because be, between like the aesthetic of, you know, it's at night and Anakin has been haunted. And it, there's a, you know, just a visual reminder of, you know, the last time they met, uh, assuming they haven't met between now and, and Attack the Clones, that, you know, the light, he goes for the, Dooku goes for the lightning and Anakin's like, ah, no, <laughs> uh, you got me once. But on, on top of that now. Uh, and there is a real sense that uh, with Anakin outsmarting him with uh, hiding, you know, the the hut uh, disguising the rocks as, as Rada, uh, mm-hmm. there's a real element of growth uh, from Anakin there. And then just the sand throwing is just cool. Yeah, yeah. And especially where, where at the moment it comes. Uh, so it's... Uh... It's a little bit of a, a little bit of a dark strategy for me, at least my interpretation of Anakin just kind of getting anger. I'm controlling the elements so now, so much now. It's a superpower on Battlefront Two. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I wish I could do sand throw on Battlefront yeah. Two. Uh, the last action moment I wanted to call out is the Ahsoka moment of pulling the building down around <laughs> Anakin. It's you know all sorts of great stuff with the building of their relationship of you know what is the line between being uh, reckless and <laughs> being inventive and you know how much does communication uh, factor into surviving a battle all those kind of things but i mean that is such a favorite uh, a famous silent film image of buster keaton steamboat bill jr and i like it for everything it means for anakin and ahsoka and the straightforward storytelling of of her you know relating it to the clones and all that and, and building that rapport with them but also just remembering because it's going to happen again in the clone wars that Lucas's influences from early in to mid-century, 20th century film d- does extend lots of different places like silent film. Like, I feel like that is, yeah, that that is Steamboat Bill Jr. on purpose. Oh, 100%. I, I, I can see George. Uh, well, George doesn't laugh too much, right, or show emotion on camera, right? Um, I, I hear tell he enjoys a good joke. Uh, yeah, I could just see him being like, uh, you know, let's do this and... Uh, it works. Yeah. He is a, he is a, he is a cinephile. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great to see in, in fun action moments. Uh, we already talked about some uh, favorite comedy moments, but uh, there's a lot of them and a lot of different tones. What are your favorite moments of comedy or whimsy or just something that's just, Hey, this is star Wars and that's weird. Yeah. Well, you know, I, there was one line someone said, and I bumped, I, I was watching it and I was like, I, I, I guffawed. And I was going to make a note of it, and I forgot. I woke up this morning and couldn't remember the the moment or the note. And I've been trying to panically <laughs> watch to get it. So someone out there in this movie has a joke that made me laugh that they're not going to get credit for right now. I apologize, kids. If you're producing podcasts, make notes as you go. Uh, there's a, a great. I love uh, the. It's almost Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, like of the medical droid showing up in hologram form, and then ends it with, uh, you know, if, if you know you have any trouble, please call an actual doctor to assist you. <laughs> I just, it's wonderfully awkward and uh, weird. I love that. Uh, there's a great line of uh, An- uh, Kenobi, Anakin, did you get shot down again? A lot of those type of things. Um, and I got to say, you know, the name is not my favorite, even. The design and the accent don't mix uh, mix for me too well for my personal Star Wars taste. But General Loathsome and Kenobi and their tea party, which is the, you know, you, you've talked about Kenobi sipping that tea before. 
I don't know. I like it. I liked it this time around. I watched it actually three times this weekend and trying to watch this movie in, in parts. I, I just actually really love the moment where there's kind of this odd old school gentleman's generals at a table kind of uh, situation. And then Lothsome has kind of a sincere moment of like, oh, no, the honor's all on this side meeting you. Like, <laughs> it was, it was, I, I really I don't know. It was silly and I enjoy it. Yeah, I love that. That's the the number one thing on my uh, favorite moment of comedy whimsy weirdness is this is it, it shows us who Obi-Wan is so much of like there are a lot of alternatives to fighting. You can pad for time. And he's both sincerely a little bit of that like, oh, yes, I would love to sit down for a drink. But he also realizes that that is a, a form of manipulation. I love that just kind of great comedy contrast between the horror of war and the civility of surrendering mm-hmm. when he, he uses the force to make a little uh, seats and table out of <laughs> shattered bits of Christophsis building. You know, yeah. let me take this shattered architecture, or rocks or rubble or whatever this is, and mm-hmm. make a little place to sit down for tea. And just how mad Lotsam eventually gets when he realizes he's been played. Uh, and Lowsome's specific line when he agrees to sit down and, and discuss these things of bring us something liquid. <laughs> <laughs> and I like those little weird uh, rabbit droids. Yeah. Like, I think if I'm in the theater with you in 2008, I'm probably getting in my car and doing an angry video about the rabbit droids. But fortunately, I'm not that human anymore. Um, and And I just think it's so weirdly bizarre uh, star Wars stuff to these little like, and it's elegant the way it just kind of like leans forward and puts the hologram thing in its little ears. And <laughs> I really like them. Yeah. It's very, very bizarre and very star Wars in a great way. Um, the other thing I wrote down, we already talked about is Asajj getting mad and, and throwing the droid and the long why yeah. all, all legitimately funny to me. But there's also another moment where one of the droids falls or gets knocked off uh, the platform on Teth and lands right by our heroes and says, oh, my God, <laughs> gets cut off. It's like it's pretty dark and pretty real world. Well, because uh, what I love about that moment, because he's got his he's got his uh, his superior officer with him, and, and there's some, you know, some okay, I, I like it. It's good humor of just like sergeant, get back up here. Which okay, ha ha. But the joke, the joke is that the joke is the detail of oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> war is hell. My life is hell. <laughs> and these and these, I could have get a sense of these uh, battle droids just kind of like, what are we doing? <laughs> That they have feel some sort of feelings and emotions as they're being cut down like butter. Yeah, yeah. And and there are a lot of, you know, broad jokes like the mm-hmm. shoot at sector, you know, uh, numbers, numbers, numbers. I didn't uh, memorize it for trivia. Uh, mm-hmm. And the uh, other droid not getting like, point there. Like, th- there's some yeah. broader stuff. But like, uh, Ahsoka's got a line later on when R2 is not sure about uh, getting into the sand on Tatooine. And she says like, what? It's just endless tracks of coarse, irritating sand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they dance up to that sand line with Anakin. Like you're waiting for him to acknowledge the sand, like almost like it's a a, a joke, a internet joke from back in the day, you know? Like, yeah, you know? yeah. But instead, he hates sand, and so he throws it at Dooku to see how Dooku likes it. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to lore. So, was there a favorite any favorite moments of kind of larger Star Wars canon being played with, or connections to other stories that grabbed you? Um, that's. Just- Yes, uh, um, I don't have them specifically listed. Uh, I, I went to this section in my mind here, the what I'm calling the web of Palpatine. Um, it really sets up 
and and it, it it connects back to what we see in Phantom Menace. It sets up, well, I guess it sets up in in chronological order, time wise, to Revenge of the Sith, which is everything we know about Palpatine. He's always scheming, he's always dreaming, and he's never done. And it's not just a simple dark plan; it's tangled. It's it's tangled in a way we we know it forces people into decisions maybe they don't want to make but they have to make. Um, there's you know the well the huts control the outer rim like and you know you know you don't want to get in a war with them and you need it ah, yeah you're right it so it's just it plays it just the Jedi play into his hand even when they're doing good they're, you're already slipping by having to do this because you're already in this war which is already also part of his plan so it just. I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. And then, like you said, you said at the end where there's just kind of that, like, yeah, it's okay. We've got more moves to make. It's really, it's kind of wonderful, uh, delicious. So uh, yeah. Uh, and I love his line because to me, it also ties into it. Uh, when, when Padme shows up uh, and great, I think great, great Padme stuff too, but um, mm-hmm. it's the grand adventure of politics. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh. And it's all part of his tapestry of lies. Yeah, it's all beautiful. The web, the tapestry, the dreaming and scheming of Sheev, yeah. as you called it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I really like that. It, there's does it, it can seem convoluted sometimes what all uh, Sidious is up to, uh, but I really always like looking at it is he is putting pressure on his opponents to get them to make a chess move so they don't really detect that they have been forced into this decision. And yeah, hey, if his scheme works and he the Jedi are all out at war with the Huts great that will move things along even even faster uh but if not they're still in bed with criminals and they're not happy about it and it's already starting to corrode them so it really is like yeah good enough (laughs) yeah um some of the lore stuff that i like is uh just the entire history of jabba's palace like you know back in the day seeing this in 2008 like yeah jabba we knew was around the prequel area is in phantom menace but it's a different thing to have all of these characters march into that famous palace from Return of the Jedi and just take turns standing in the Luke Skywalker spot. You know, by the time you're done with this movie, you're like, okay, Obi-Wan stood there. Uh, mm-hmm. Anakin stood there. Dooku stood there. Later in the comics, we now know Vader's going to stand there. And like, yeah. has any important person in the galaxy not stood exactly right there in Jabba's palace? Yeah, yeah, you know, I wonder if uh, a very young uh, Patissa's down there waiting to have a snack as uh, Malik Keeley got a shirt on, uh, you know, all those kind of things. Now it's fun. I had the same thought, um, you know, with Anakin, like, oh, you're, hey, your son's going to be right there. Right yeah. There. yeah. Was that fun for you or was that like, oh, everything's too connected? No, I no, I, I, I think it's done in the right way. I think also it would, it, I think it's kind of needed if you're unveiling this new era of Star Wars storytelling. To be like, hey, here's here's a classic, uh, you know, character that you loved, uh, that you like being there, you're seeing there, and it's kind of fun to see from just different perspective, a uh, perspective uh, with Unteth because the the Boomer monks, uh, you know, connecting to that, getting a little more history of of, uh, of of that kind of stuff. Like I even love it when Palpatine calls Jabba a vile gangster, and it's like, yay, Obi crawl, yeah, yeah, yay. Like I, I think it works. Uh, and because uh, it isn't just a quick pass of nostalgia, you spend some time there, you get to see it, you know. Yeah, and it, I like that it, it. There's definitely some. Hey, let's have some fun. It's it's nostalgia. Let's mash up these eras of Star Wars. But it is it matters to the story. It's not just for for fun. It is to remind you of like, yeah, the uh, the Huts are this large criminal empire, 
and they have been for a long time, and that impacts what's going on in the galaxy. And that, I think, it just becomes really rich storytelling as well as just, like, it's the people in the place from Return of the Jedi. It it, it matters. A um, couple other lore things uh, that jumped out at me. One just little small thing that is kind of cheeky, but I do really like it, uh, that uh, the the ship that Anakin and Ahsoka end up escaping Tethon is uh, Twilight, and it is uh, absolutely called out directly in the film by Rex uh, telling Obi-Wan that Anakin and Ahsoka escaped in a beat-up old spice freighter, connecting back to A New Hope of, you know, I was told my father was a navigator on a spice freighter. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like that is just kind of a, a, a fun little nod. Uh, but then I also like, you know, that Anakin keeps the Twilight. He works on it, and uh, eventually Obi-Wan takes it to try to uh, rescue Satine, and, and it's got its own kind of meaning and history, as well as being a nod. How, did you like the Spice Raider thing, or is that too much? No, no, that's, um, no, that kind of stuff's uh, um, great, because it's, it's uh, I, thought, I thought there was another, this is, again, kids, write your notes down while you're watching them. There was another <laughs> little one down the line that set up, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's kind of having fun setting up something we already uh, new and given a little bit more answer because it, it's a little there's a little bite to that what you're describing there uh you can see where obi-wan's like all right yeah that's great i'm gonna have to hold on to that lie uh down the line um <laughs> thinks about it maybe that's gonna be one episode of kenobi on disney plus uh what lie am i gonna tell luke oh spice freight the twilight um <laughs> so i like all that kind of stuff gosh darn it i wish i could remember the other moment i thought of too yeah i like, I like it yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's interesting to yeah it, it, to actually track the logic of it of like how how did Uncle Owen uh, pick up on the Spice Raider thing and mm-hmm. and lock onto it or was it just luck? Who knows? Who knows? Um, the other big one is Anakin uh, quoting Qui Gon uh, to reassure Ahsoka and saying uh, you know a very wise, wise Jedi once said nothing uh, nothing happens by accident. Right, um, and that is just such a great moment for me because it is a reminder like we talk about it a lot uh there's a big part of uh Filoni's epic speech on the behind the you know behind the scenes Mandalorian uh show about this kind of good connection between Qui-Gon and Anakin and what it did to Anakin to lose this father figure and the uneasy relationship between him and Obi-Wan at first uh so to just hear from Anakin himself that he has remembered the very few things that Qui-Gon was able to impart to him. And he has taken some level of comfort in that, you know, in where my mind goes of is, you know, uh, uh, Qui-Gon said that to him about, about Anakin and himself Qui-Gon meeting. So if Anakin's turning in circles about like, Oh, I, I wanted to be a Jedi, but I left my mom, but what did I do? Well, like, well, maybe, maybe I got to listen to what the kind, wise Jedi said, that nothing, nothing happens by accident, and maybe this is all going somewhere in, in a good way, and that he's internalized that enough that being a, an inexperienced teacher, this is the bit of wisdom he immediately has to pull out. Not, not something that Obi-Wan or Yoda told him, but something Qui-Gon told him is what his go-to is to make Ahsoka yeah. feel better that, you know what, you and I have been paired for a reason, let's play this out and, and see where it goes. Well, it's it's interesting um, to, uh, to hear you say that, and then there's that moment where where um, Obi Wan kind of says, oh, "Just just teach her everything uh, like I taught you, and, and and she'll be okay," you know, like and uh, not and not to take away from anything um, from Obi Wan's accomplishments as a teacher and what he taught 
uh, Anakin, a lot did work and a lot did sink in, but we know where that, that story goes. And for Obi-Wan just be like, I've done a pretty good job teaching you just do what I did. Like, <laughs> and then have Anakin quoting Qui-Gon, uh, it makes some sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love Obi-Wan, but that's partially because he's complex and has some failures and <laughs> yeah, yeah. part of the story. Yeah, that is a moment to embrace those failures, isn't it? Because <laughs> he's a little cocky in this one. Uh, but he's I think he's happy, not with the war, but I think he's happy with his relationship with Anakin and seeing Anakin grow. And I think, you know, like they have this uh, fun ribbing each other brotherly relationship. But I think there is a lot of pride from Obi-Wan about, you know, who Anakin is becoming. And that makes it all the more sad. Um, moving on. Was there anything that you disliked or questioned? We kind of talked about that a little bit at the very top of the podcast that uh, even re-examining the movie, maybe there's some stuff that doesn't quite gel for us. What is that for you? Two big ones here. I'll start with one that I think's it's fine. Like it's fine. It doesn't bother me, but it just, I can't help. You know, I think um, in retrospect, the movie, the movie starts really strong. We talk about the war, the sequence, those, uh, those uh, moments. And, And like I said, it wraps up smaller, which isn't a bad thing. It's not smaller in terms of how it affects the galaxy. We just talked about the deeper connections and the Palpatine stuff. Padme getting involved and what that says about her character and, why she's getting involved, like you talked about, a little bit of column A, a little column B. So I think the themes are big, and, and, and it's important to the bigger story, but it plays smaller that you just saw these big battles, and then one of the final shots is Rada. I have nothing against Rada, but if you're in the, again, going back to the theater, or you're watching it early on, and you're kind of like, well, interesting, okay, because you're used to Death Stars blowing up, uh, you know, uh, the, the end of Sith, all those kind of things. So it might be a little different. Um and that reminded me, oh, yeah, these are episodes. You know, you can literally see the commercial breaks at some point. And I think they did a great job, by the way, putting it all together. I don't know what they could have pulled from. I don't know if you switched around or you throw another episode in. I don't know if you need to. I'm just saying in watching this, even today, going, yeah, yeah, I, I, it is four episodes. And I got to remind myself that. Yeah, yeah. It, it's got some tension because it absolutely does hold together because it is the story ultimately of the Sith plot to try to trick the Jedi into war with the Huts by kidnapping the son. And everything that we see does relate directly back to that. It is, you know, a, a an absolutely the, the journey of uh, Rada from kidnapping to being delivered back into Jabba's arms. So it does hold together. But also, yeah, Padme and her world and her adventure uh, gets introduced so late in the movie that we're used to in a movie, we would have been spending some time with Padme earlier and we've been spending some time in that, you know, world of Coruscant and the political intrigue a little bit earlier. And that does make it feel just a little bit like there's nothing bad about the content, but watching it yeah. strictly as a movie, it does feel a little bit like a, a bunch of new uh, kind of moods and contents and an idea and character uh, toward the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that. And then and the other one for me, I think, uh, is, you know, a deeper discussion, the zero, the hut stuff. Um, so I'll just say this, I, 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 I look, it's a bold choice because I get the thought behind it. I get kind of the trope, the nor the nor uh, style, the trim capote of it all. Uh, I even like zero. I like the design. Um, I can get past the voice. I don't know, but it all, it doesn't add up in the end as well for me. And it still doesn't because it's it slightly undercuts for me now. Back then it really undercut 
Now it's still slightly undercuts. What it was a potential cool hut subplot, and we know this goes on. Like you said, the, the tales of zero continue, but like the, the the inner workings of the hut clan is pretty fascinating. And to introduce it on this big level is okay. It's just, they made he made a choice, and it is George going. Yeah, you, did you like the diner and attack the clones? Great. So did I. Here's another thing: <laughs> the slinky music, the 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 bar, the place, the 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 club that uh, Padme has to go into. I'm there for it. Uh, just for me, uh, this is a big personal thing. It's still, I don't know, still, still falls a little short for me in terms of just presentation. Is it just, is it because it just feels a little too real world uh, that it's just directly sort of like, here's a, you know, jazz dive run by a hut with a weird voice. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm honestly trying to analyze it because I'll get into fun arguments, say with uh, Alex Backus of Black Shows Rebels. He hates Dexter. He hates Dexter's diner. My pal Lon Harris hates Dexter's Diner. And I'll get into fun arguments with him off air. Um, but I get where they're coming from, right? I get it. It's not, it's a 50s diner complete with salt and pepper shakers and lunch specials. Like, and maybe you weren't expecting that in Star Wars. And I can have fun with that going in. So this is why I'm not putting like a, a big foot down on this. Um, because I do like that, like that club. I'd gladly spend a lot of time there, not you know, maybe personally, I don't know, maybe not, but you know, like you go, go back there. Actually, I, you know, if you put me in Vegas, I will, um, you know what I mean? Like I, I love the sound because you, you and I've talked about the choice of the cantina band and a new hope is nostalgia. It is, you know, a jazz swing band or whatever. Like it is, it's not sci-fi. It's George going, this is what this is. So I'm there for it. It fits into star Wars. It fits in stars. It just, I think when I first saw it, it so knocked me off that, I'm still, I still have um, kind of residual, residual knockoff effect. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think there is a a lot of that going on in the Clone Wars, especially early on. And it is one of the things that did, uh, you know, affect me when I saw it in the theater back in 2008 is I think one of the other things that it feels like Lucas and, you know, maybe Filoni and, and everybody else were doing as well is going like, yeah, we're fine with playing with a little bit more quote unquote real world influences in Star Wars because there is, even though it is, you know, I don't know if that's supposed to be figuring Dan or not, but you know, it's, it's a Bith band. Um, the, the music is more directly just straight up, uh, actual, you know, big band swing music. Um, and a less, a little bit of a modified space version of it, of, you know, uh, of the music that we hear in a new hope. And even there's a lot of musical uh, experimentation that I really like, uh, but that when they're climbing the wall on Teth, there's some like kind of straightforward rock music with almost like kind of wailing guitar. Mm-hmm. that feel, felt very much like it is a kid who grew up saying, I love guns and roses and star Wars. And I can never imagine the two meeting. Oh, the did right there. Kind of. Okay. Um, I don't mind now because I just I just see artists uh, experimenting with how far can they push the real world influences and still make it feel like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But I think it is it, depending on where you land on those discussions and, and and I think your age, it can be a tonal challenge. Yeah, I actually put a note here of uh, Connor's music was really different, crossed into different sounds and styles, and was braver than I originally thought. Uh, I, I think, especially early on, you, you and I have talked about the drums of the opening theme and then our reaction to that. But all through this movie, this go around, I don't know, maybe it's because I love John Powell's work in Solo, where, you know, the Cloud Riders get that kind of very unique style and theme. I think the the the, the, the little beat of, of uh, Chewie and Han flying is, is something a little different in, in Star Wars and just 
uh, you know, I, I've come to appreciate. I've, I, I still say uh, Revenge of the Sith is my favorite Williams score. And he tries a lot of different things. And and so coming out of that here, uh, following Sith, I think I think kind of that 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 sequence, the, the whale in the guitar, there is um, uh, exotic sounds, uh, music cues for Ventress and that stuff on Teth too up above. Like, I, I think a lot of it really works for me more now than it did. Um, so yeah, I'm glad you brought the Kiner stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. And some very haunting music, uh, for the, uh, Anakin and Ahsoka trek across the yeah. endless sand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great stuff. Yeah. Great stuff there. But that's really great to see. Cause I think, you know, there was that little bit in the music episode of the Mandalorian behind the scenes show where Filoni was like, music can stretch really far in star Wars. And I immediately yeah. thought of some of the stuff in this Clone Wars movie, cause that's mm-hmm. always been his, uh, his experience with star Wars, obviously in Clone Wars. Uh, anything else that you disliked or questioned? No, no, um, no. And, and, and I got to tell you, I, it's so hard. It's hard to put on your, uh, let me go back to 2008, uh, goggles with these, uh, because we've got seven seasons of Clone Wars under our belt. So a lot of things along the way that I've felt, uh, it wasn't just me being as super excited to see this in chronological order and what, where it falls in on the story. Um, but just to see those moments with Ahsoka, and everything it's good so so there's less that i dislike than i than i would have thought i would have thought i had a you know a, a bigger list and i honestly don't yeah yeah and i'm i'm really happy to be at that point where there's stuff that would be like ah you know that wouldn't be my first choice uh but it doesn't bother me now some of it i've really come to like and some of it i just like uh i is a fan is one individual fan that's maybe not my favorite choice but i'm so intrigued by it as a choice that the artists made and why and what it means in the big picture that i find myself enjoying it anyway which is a yeah. great place to be it is uh, and, uh, look uh, sorry if i uh, sorry um rada no. like i i rada and stinky and punky muffin and all those kind of things um again what i what i've done that fortunately i'm not the one writing star wars because better people are i i look at that now and i just kind of it's part of the the power of cute uh rada is cute in his own way um and uh, i'm i'm just wasn't bothered with it as much as i used to be in fact now i want to know what does happen to rada you know, <laughs> yeah graduates college on tattooing yeah and, and when you don't get distracted by the many many nicknames uh for rada <laughs> there there is a real thread there of ahsoka again being the true hero early on of she has empathy for this sick creature and you know mm. anakin can't see past what it's going to become and yeah. obi-wan is you know just very aware of it uh in a tactical way but ahsoka is having actual empathy for the the cute smelly thing <laughs> yeah great thesis statement on ahsoka absolutely yeah anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to touch on there's a yeah um uh couple things here uh there's i love the a couple moments where anakin and obi-wan both kind of say if I know my friend or if I know my old master and they're both do know each other, but then the, what's happening is exactly, exactly the opposite of what, uh, you know, going on. Uh, I love that. Um, how cool is it that we get Christopher Lee saying things like Ventress and zero, <laughs> like <laughs> love that he, uh, uh, is here who, uh, Corey Burton picks up the voice, I believe. Right. Um, mm-hmm. later on, but to have Christopher Lee, uh, so I just picture him sitting in a booth, just saying these lines and just approaching it with the same uh, vigor that he did, uh, uh, you know, uh, Dooku on screen and Saruman. He just he's always going to he takes pride in what he does with it. And and it sounds great to have him in there. Uh, and the final one is uh, action Padme, man. I like I like seeing Padme in action. 
Yeah, no, and the Padme story, uh, and uh, and see three PO coming in too because it's you know this mm-hmm. film wants to introduce all the major players, and three PO does figure into the Clone Wars animated series a lot, and I love her. Uh, great, it, it shows her as a great tactician. Uh, she's great with a blaster, and that <laughs> the way she plays those droids of like, no, 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 don't, <laughs> whatever you do, don't yeah. touch that. <laughs> Get them to turn on the communicator uh, is absolutely yeah. great. And yeah, we've talked a lot about Padme. Uh, doing this at least partially, it seems, out of fear for Anakin, but uh, along with many other moments of Padme in the movies and in many episodes of the Clone Wars, she is actually the one who solves the problem, right? Because, yeah, they uh, Ahsoka does successfully get Rada back to Jabba, but Padme is the one who actually figures out what's going on and exposes it in in. Yeah. Even if Padme has mixed reasons for her the actions she takes, she is also like the true hero who actually does upset uh, Sidious's plans. Mm-hmm. Again and again and again, again and again and again. So uh, go Padme. Uh, you mentioned it briefly. I just wanted to touch on. Uh, I love Doctor Droid. Very a very just weird uh, thing for Star Wars too, because it also. Uh, connects back to uh the doctor on star trek voyager being a hologram but <laughs> i love that this droid was named dr droid and <laughs> when ahsoka turned on the hologram appeared to already be mumbling to itself yeah and, and i don't know about what like uh, ahsoka turns on the hologram and dr droid's like oh hey, what's going on telling you it's hitchhikers it's so hitchhikers to me (laughs) um last thing for me is uh we talked a lot about those scenes of anakin and ahsoka um, marching through the desert but i just i love the different bones uh that that call back to the original crate dragon in a new hope and i love uh, i know it's very very literal but those long shadows over uh, of those rib cages that look like prison bars where Ahsoka just kind of casually brings up, you know, Yoda told me old sins cast long shadows. What's that about? <laughs> well, you're marching through a place uh, full of uh, some recent sins there, Anakin. Yep. yep. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Just beautiful. Very, very stylized, but still very, very effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, there's a ton in the film that is just, I know it was always Lucas's goal to make this very cinematic. And there's a bunch that really works. There's a, uh, the entire, almost entire Padme Palpatine scene in his office is all a uh, Dutch angle, which is very, you know, cinematic and stylized language for something isn't right here. And just a, a ton of just actually great shots. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a, a bunch of great stuff in the Clone Wars animated series film. We're going to wrap up with some fun questions like we always do. Ken, if you could have a figure of any character from this episode, who would you want? I mean, I think we specifically need the action scene of the Kenobi Loathsome Tea play set. Uh, <laughs> I know there's, I think there is a Loathsome figure, all that kind of stuff, but like to actually have that uh, would work. Like a Black Series detailed oh. play set of the Tea Treaty. Um, but the the one I really want is a stinky Rada plush doll that actually has real 
uh, stink action. Like when you squeeze it, whatever that horrific smell was, <laughs> they're all smelling a sick hutlet. Um, I, I want that. Uh, uh, Rada plush doll with stinky action. Oh, that's great. I mean, I, I, I cannot top the, uh, the uh, tea time with Kenobi and loathsome, but I want that so bad. But, you know, just to reflect my large turnaround on this film, uh, the th- many things challenged me in 2008, but what truly broke me was zero not understanding where that voice was coming from and why it sounded uh like a very goony saturday morning 80s cartoon voice to me at the time uh to reflect that i've come all the way around i'll say i would like a zero the hut action figure and uh zero smoke so much i would love it if you could Mm -hmm. squeeze the figure and a little bit of smoke came out of zero and zero made a little noise yes <laughs> i would enjoy that very much uh we're coming to the end of our clone wars report episode uh our next episode we'll be covering the single episode clone cadets that's what's ne- next up chronologically can uh, there was no moral of this actual uh clone wars animated film but what should the moral of this podcast episode be uh, the the big moral, it's a meta moral for the characters, but also us watching the Clone Wars movie. Uh, the path to growth does not begin when you want it to, but when you need it to. Um, and then the the catch uh, the, the 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 catchphrase for this particular episode is: This podcast is going to live to stink another day. <laughs> that was a beautiful beautiful moral that i'm actually going to think about and then a great james bond parody title yes yes <laughs> live to stink another day that's our look at the clone wars animated film ken do you want to take us home with all of our plugs i do let's plug away my friends you're listening to the force center podcast if you want to follow us on twitter uh you can go ahead and go to at force center pod use the hashtag force center join the conversation we are on facebook at uh, force center podcast instagram youtube subscribe there for videos more on the way. If you want to support us, go to patreon.com slash force center. You have merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. And uh, don't forget, we got our own things going on. Like you can go follow me at kennapsock.com uh, to see all the, the, the podcasts I do, the books I've written uh, and uh, my charity spotlight tab as well. And uh, Joseph, they can follow you on your adventures. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can check out my other podcasts and comedy albums and comedy book on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. Yeah, don't forget this podcast, as always, is brought to you by Audible. You can go try an audiobook on us, support the show, get a free book. Go to audibletrial.com slash force center. And hey, you know, next week, Joseph, will be taking a look at the Dr. Afra audio drama, which is available on here. I'd say that's a good force center recommend. Absolutely. We recommend the hell out of it. We do indeed. So for Zero the Hut, uh, for Rada, for Stinky, and for that poor droid that flew off asking why, that has been the Clone Wars Report. Mom. 
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.